The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Revolutionary Wellness Talk Radio. Your host is Rochelle McLaughlin. It's time to experience radical well-being. Learn to nourish your heart, body, and mind. Manifest your power in the present. And learn to live your life's infinite potential. Now, here's your host, Rochelle McLaughlin. In a TEDx talk called Both Sides of the Bars with Susan Olesek, Susan says that sitting with people at the unhealthy rock bottom of themselves as we found our breath and located an inner witness to ourselves in a place like prison was a miracle because their practices of self-sabotage, self-abandonment, and self-hatred, I sheepishly realized were also mine. Years of therapists and healers, workshops and self-help books could not rival the extraordinary journey inward I received teaching in that prison with those men over the next four years. I saw that my story of being not good enough was a tired one, and what a fraud I would be if I refused to take my own teaching the teachings of the Enneagram to heart. Right in front of me, I watched as those hurting men began to wake up to themselves. And as they did, they literally held space for me to do the same. These are the words of Susan Olesek, the producer of Revolutionary Wellness Talk Radio's Nine Prisons, One Key series. In this episode today, we will be exploring the Enneagram Type 9, the mediator peacemaker. And if you missed the first two incredible episodes, um, they are available for free and on demand, and they are downloadable so you can access them anytime. The Nine Prisons, One Key series will air every fourth Thursday of the month at 2 p.m. Pacific Standard Time here on Revolutionary Wellness Talk Radio. So be sure to mark your calendars. And without further ado, I will hand the show over to Susan so we can get started with another insightful and inspiring conversation. So thank you all so much for listening. Good morning. Thank you, Rochelle. And I'm so excited to be able to talk about one more of these amazing types on the Enneagram system. Um, We have a guest with us today named Alex. Good morning, Alex. Good morning, Susan. How are you? I'm doing great and so glad that you're here. Alex and I have um, been doing a number of things together this week and some of that will come out today in the show. But um, I wanted to just say that we're we're talking about the um, what we call the belly center, also known as the anger triad over these first three shows, eight, nine, and one. And today we're, we're rounding out the triad with the peacemaker, also called the mediator. And that's Alex's type. So I'm going to, um, I'm going to get into that in just a second, but I wanted to thank you, Rochelle, for just pulling out those quotes from um, the TEDx that um, EPP did over in New York in October, because um, it really is sort of the foundation of what we're trying to do with any ground prison project. And we're, uh, we're always, um, I guess, interested in trying to create a safe space for people to take a look at the personality styles that are running them that get us into so much different, so much trouble with ourselves. 
And I work with, you know, executives and high school seniors and people in church and all kinds of folks on the outside. And um, I also, of course, developing the work of Enneagram Prison Project. And I feel like I always am teaching exactly the same system. And I myself am the same in each of those different environments. But the, um, the hope is that people will have enough safety where they can actually take a look at themselves. And the reason I'm so excited about having Alex here is because he's been with Enneagram Prison Project from um, right, almost from the very beginning of uh, when we started to program at Elmwood Correctional Facility over in Milpitas back way back in January of 2014. And, um, you know, the... Um, a lot of people say you can't just teach it to those guys on the inside because they're going to manipulate each other. And that's just not what we see happens. And, um, I, I, I want to highlight the, the eight, nine, one triad just to remind you of what we're looking at. And then in particular, the nine type nine personality, and then invite Alex to just share with us what his own perspective is, because he's taken this so much to heart. You know, the, the belly center types are, about um, having autonomy and having control and the intelligent reaction when I don't have enough autonomy or control in my life is to be angry. And I know it sounds very cliche, but it's true. Eight, nine, and one, we really got to get in touch with our anger if we're going to um, have any um, any peace with ourselves. And so we've heard about how in my type, structure type one, we suppress the anger. We really try to control it and everything and so that nothing can can surprise us and we don't want to, we want to be above and beyond reproach. And we heard about from type eight uh, with Dustin and Lisa last, last time that we uh, eights want to sort of over, overdo their anger, express it and wanting to sort of control outwardly and not let anything control them. And nine is an anger type is actually in the center of the anger triad. And yet often nines don't, don't look the least bit angry and often have no idea that they themselves are. And that's because the anger is really denied. It's off the, off the radar. Nines don't recognize that the emotional driver for type nine is a sort of like accommodation of other people. There's a, a real um, sort of the traditional word is sloth, a passion of, of falling asleep to myself, my own agenda, my own needs, my own everything. And that allows me to have the, radar, the, the anger to be off my radar. Um, and the anger for type nine is much more passive aggressive. It's much more um, sort of a thing that I I don't even know is is going on. But my 19 year old son, and sometimes I'll ask him to do something, and like you come to the dishwasher, and he smiles so sweetly to me, and he nods, but he has no maybe real no intention of doing it at that moment, right? Because doesn't want to be controlled, and it can go from there. Um, so I just wanted to to start by welcoming you, Alex, and thanking you for being here. And to um, just, the nines really come to teach us about, about um, how to get along with each other. And that's why we call them the peacemaker. They're, they're natural mediators. It's not like they have to think about it. This is just what comes out of them, just without, without even trying. And we need them. My goodness, we need them. I've heard some of my teachers say that we probably have more nines on the planet than any other type. And thank goodness, if we had all eights or all ones or all some other other type, we wouldn't be in nearly the harmony that we are with the world. Um, so we really need the nines. But the young nine gets this idea that there's a there's a, a separation. There's something that I'm going to be left out. And nines really badly want to belong. It feels so uncomfortable not to belong. So nines will kind of substitute comfort and um, things that feel better in in substitution for you know really love and for loving themselves 
and um, creating an environment around them that will nurture them. So, Alex, I just want to um, just start by asking you: Do you do you recognize a little bit this um, po- this way of paying attention to what other people are wanting to the other things that are going on in the environment? Do you see that in yourself? <laughs> well, yeah, you know. I was just thinking right now, you know, see what I pay attention to. And in many conversations that I engaged in, I always hear the trouble area, and I can come up with a solution so easily to make, the, you know, some type of peace within the individual themselves or with a situation. You know, and it just it's just the habit. I mean, I don't even try to do that. It's just with, with what I hear in a conversation more than anything. Is is the conflict within one another, or the conflict in the situation? Then the solution is just right there. Right. So I think it's um, it's really important to remember that this way of keeping the peace and this peaceful nature, your peaceful heart, that's always been um, in you, and of course that's in everyone, um, and that was in you even as a little child. But what is it about this strategy of trying to keep conflict at bay? Well, survive in your own childhood. You know, uh, for with me, you know, the thing with conflict, uh, I had this, this, uh, I guess, idea, image with conflict that somebody's going to get severely hurt. Um, there's going to be, it's, it's just going to be, a, it's violent. Conflict equals violence to me. I don't see conflict as resolution to things um, based on um my childhood experience, you know, conflict had a, um, it was a lot, a lot of violence, a lot of disturbance. It was no peace. And, and I just always try to fail. Like I had to find the peace. I had to make some peace in, in, in the household. I had to make some peace in, in my neighborhood, you know, but it didn't always, it, it didn't always work out that way, you know? Um, yeah. <laughs> and, and I want to just encourage you, maybe you could say even more, because for a lot of us, I don't think a lot of people can imagine anybody else's life for childhood. But I think truly, Alex, what the, the bits and pieces and some of the long stretches I've heard about your life are truly unlike um, what most people have ever encountered. And what was it right. like for you? I know you grew up in the projects. I knew you grew up in a right. lot of well, hard Well, I grew, up in, I grew up in Los Angeles in, in Watson and, and in Compton. And and which are a lot of gang influenced, gang infested uh, neighborhoods, and you know to go to the store. You know, one time my sister and I, uh, I shared this with you many times. Uh, we went to the store, and the kids in the neighborhood took our groceries. And so my mom was like, "Where's my groceries?" We're like, "They took it." She says, "Well, you have one of two choices: you go out there and get my groceries back, and." have a chance on winning the fight that you're going to have to fight to get them back, or you can stay here and lose the fight with me that you're, you know, have a fight with me that you're going to lose. And so we had to go out back out there to the people's house that took our groceries and and literally fight. We literally fought with them to bring my mother's groceries back to the house. Um, and then to endure... Um, um, gang involvement. You know, I was I was involved in gangs ever since I was twelve years old, and um, the lifestyle of a gang member. And I just embraced it because I, you know, had this thing of going along to get along, and I embraced the gang violence. And I never felt good about being involved in hurting someone, 
and I couldn't understand how come everybody else around me, they were like all boastful and, and all proud and all excited about um, about a gang fight that we just had or what have you, and, and I just didn't feel the same way. I felt bad. I felt terrible um, for just hurting someone. And I didn't understand that. I, I had not a clue why, I, you know, why was I so different in the feeling of it. Right. So can you help? This is it's really helpful to, to hear that even though you're in a gang and even though you may even be carrying out things that you need to do in order to stay as part of the gang, it's not the prestige or the, um, uh, the image necessarily of being a tough gangster that you were wanting. What do you, would you say it was that the gang offered you? Oh, oh, a sense of belonging. Um, <laughs> that's huge for me. As a matter of fact, I got that written down. You know, belonging is like, uh, you know, the connection. And um, so it gave me a great sense of belonging, a, a sense of acceptance. And, um, you know, one thing about the nines, they, um, they go along to get along. They go along with situations that they totally, I know for myself, I totally um, don't condone. And, but I'll go along to get along. I'll go along to, you know, uh, to be a part of, to be be accepted. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. And and there's a sense um, I would, I'm gathering just from what you said so far, that as you do make all these accommoda- accommodations and you just go along and you're acquiescing to what the gang is telling you need to do, there's there's something that's against your true nature to do it, and there's an emotion that goes along with that. So can you talk a little bit about the anger? Oh my God! Okay, so the anger for me is is <laughs> you know I I I used to compare it to like the Hulk, you know, and and uh, um, was Bill Bixby, I guess it is, and how he's like so mild mannered, and, and he tells me, "Don't make me angry," because you wouldn't like me when I'm angry. But the truth is, I don't really know when I'm angry, but because I'm not angry at people, and then I come to find out that I'm just ang- I'm angry at myself for not standing up and speaking up for what I really wanted to do or didn't want to do. Uh, and so the anger is just, it, it's denied within myself. But when it comes out, my goodness, it's its terrible. Mm. You know, and, and then I have this great sense of, you know, because I, I've hurt someone and then I, I just feel so bad. I, I mean, I, I have so much remorse behind it. And right. I think, Alex, for all of us, that we have a way of um, showing uh, up or creating um, ex- the, the, the thing that we express in ourselves. the way we take our lives out is in direct reflection of how bad about ourselves we feel on the inside. So as a little guy, when you're forced to go fight for your groceries, and I know there were <laughs> things that happened even before that, right, you, there's a... Um, there's so much anger about the unfairness of how your life was going that by the right. time you're in the gang, when it does finally come out, it comes out like the Hulk. Yeah. It, it, yeah. It just comes back. It comes out in such force that it's, it's, it's uncontrollable. It, it's so uncontrollable that I, I'm detached from it, basically. I, just, I don't see the person. I'm not conscious. It's like a, all I see is red. Right. And and it's like whenever I come back, it's like then I have the guilt and shame from the damage that has taken place. Yeah. Right. And, it's, so it's, 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 it's a strategy. It's, it's just been adapted, you know, of survival that I've taken on. I had, ta- I had taken on for so many years. 
And then that's a, who I thought I was after so many years of being that way. That's right. And I love that you can speak to it as honestly as you can. This week, Alex and I were talking, and he was the one himself who said that um, the more we're able to talk about the things that we don't like about ourselves, the more it shows how much we are have been able to heal some of them. So, right. Appreciate Susan that. and Alex, I'm going to just jump right in. We, it is time to take a short break. Susan Olesic says that people think I do this work out of the goodness of my heart. In, partly, <laughs> in part, I surely do. But the real reason I do this is to keep myself honest, to keep up my own damn end of the bargain. These are the words of Susan Olesic. You can connect with Susan, sign up on her mailing list to get updates and support her amazing work at EnneagramPrisonProject.org and SusanOlesic.com. And we will be right back after these messages. Listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Do you know that you were born to experience revolutionary wellness? Have you wondered why extraordinary physical, mental, and emotional health has eluded you? Do you know that your infinite personal power resides right here in the present moment? People all over the world are awakening to their birthright. Revolutionary Wellness. Subscribe today at revolutionarywellnessmagazine.com and begin your journey into the mystery. Engage with experts in topics of nourishment, wisdom, and empowerment. Develop mental clarity. Live wholeheartedly and be empowered to live an authentic life of passion and purpose. The world, now more than ever, needs you to feel revolutionarily well. Explore and integrate new ways of being. Learn to access your own unique treasure, the wisdom that is right there inside you, waiting to be revealed. Experience a renewed, vivid, and nourishing relationship with yourself and the world around you. Log on and subscribe to Revolutionary Wellness Magazine today and experience the publication devoted to your journey toward extraordinary health and well-being. RevolutionaryWellnessMagazine.com Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings of the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our wall. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. Step into a healthier you. Voice America Health & Wellness. You are listening to Revolutionary Wellness Talk Radio. Rochelle is a clinician of mind-body medicine, lifestyle change, and self-healing. She is a life mentor, author, and publisher of Revolutionary Wellness Magazine. You can reach Rochelle at experiencerevolutionarywellness.com. Now back to Revolutionary Wellness Talk Radio. 
Susan Olesek finds herself as frequently in actual prisons as she finds herself among Fortune 500 leaders, mirroring for her clients the virtual prisons we all create for ourselves and using herself as her own best material. The thing about the Enneagram is that it does not discriminate. It is an incisive map for anyone and everyone who's willing to let it guide them back to their true self. Over the course of this exploratory Nine Prisons, One Key series on Revolutionary Wellness Talk Radio, Susan will be featuring real-life exemplars from vastly different walks of life. We will be taking a deep dive into one of these nine prisons, nine personal prisons every month, leaving you with the compassionate and continual reminder that it is us that holds the key to our own real freedom. You can connect with Susan and sign up on her mailing list and get updates and, and support her work at Enneagram Prison project.org and susanolesic.com. So welcome back, Susan and Alex. Thank you, Rochelle. You know, Alex, as you're talking about your own experience of anger and um, that quote that Rochelle Rochelle read at the top of the show that, um, you know, people ask me why I do the work. And of course, it's because I, I care about the people that I'm wanting to help. But really, the other part of it is to keep myself honest and to um, to keep myself in the work because it is I have a nine in me that wants to kind of just let it go and not really look at that thing that I don't like about myself. And there is a, a way that in a sense, nines represent all of us. They're sort of like the the basic prototype for everybody is that we all fall asleep to ourselves in nine different ways. And maybe you can say a little bit about um, how how we met and how when you started to see how you, you saw this pattern in yourself and, and what the beginning of waking up looked like for you where you were at that time back in Elmwood in 2014. Right. Uh, yeah, well, we first met was in 2014 and... Um, you know, I seen the Enneagram um, symbol, and I'm like, I'm not gonna go check that out. There's some kind of code or something. But <laughs> that was my first <laughs> impression. And then I was like, No, I gotta go. Something just drew me. It just drew me into that classroom. And then um, after going in the classroom, sitting and listening to you speak, actually, and I was like, Wow, this can't be real because this lady, you can hear the the genuine she's sincerity about how much she cares about us and she don't even know it's like that and then week after week you came in and you had this consistency that you cared so deeply that we come to know as um love (laughs) i can say Mm -hmm. that today because i can recognize it and accept it today uh and i'm like this lady really loves us she really cares about us. there's a genuine (laughs) sense there and then she's talking about um and teaching us how to pay attention to habits, just destructive habits, how we see the world, how we operate in the world, and how we adapted these these habits. And we think that's just who we are. So we're going along being totally opposite of who we really are, being afraid of being who we are. Um, and then, you know, you, you mentioned about how you get to watch us wake up to ourselves. Um, the, the, one of the defining moments, it was two of them actually for me, is when the realization, because I, I like to think I'm my own person. I, you know, like, um, you know, that I'm unique and I do what I'm supposed to do and I'm, I'm, I'm me. I'm not a follower, so to speak. But when the phrase going along to get along, that phrase hit me. And then the reality and the truth is, that's how I basically end up in prison for over 23 years, you know, because 
I went along to get along. I, I, I made my choices based on being accepted to go along, not speaking my real truth, not having my true voice and not coming from my heart uh, uh, and to be and make the choices of what I really wanted to do. And then that was just that was just the truth, and I had to accept that truth for myself. And then I and I found that as long as I would accept truth, I can make changes. I can make the corrections. But even though the truth, they they were ugly to me. They they were hurtful. <laughs> they, they were, I could almost say demeaning to myself. But I had to do that. I had to accept the hard truth about how I've been operating in this world, in society, and how it really hasn't been working for me. If I wanted to ever stop this cycle of incarceration, I mean, 23 years of incarceration, enough has to be enough sooner or later. I was hoping, and I was looking for something outside of me to make it happen, but the answers laid inside of me. And then the other fact, when um, one of the Enneagram instructors, I believe it was Suzanne, asked me one day in a class, what do I need? And I could not answer that question. I had not a clue what I needed because I never, and then that's when the realization came to me that I don't pay attention to myself. I don't pay, I'm so asleep to myself that I have not a clue of what do I need. And I had not an answer and I never not have answers for something. But I didn't have an answer for that. And then that's when I started really looking at the hard truths and paying attention to the most important person I know today, which is myself. And, and I love that quote, too, because it is at the heart, like the crux of what it is in the anger triad is that eight, nine, and one, those are the types that really don't know what they need. Because Man. if you're not allowing the anger, you're not allowing that information to come into you about what's fair, what's right, what do you want, what, you know, right. those things are really, really not available to you when you don't allow that instinct to ventilate inside of yourself. And um, I think you've already said it, but just to make it so clear that the thing that we all really need at a very base level when we're so young is we need to know that we're loved. And right. you didn't get that. You really didn't get that in a, in a million different ways. You, you didn't get that. And I, I, I know you know that at the time when we met, I think you really didn't realize that was not your fault. And I think we all sit, start to think that there's something about us that makes us so inherently unlovable. And if you're only six and you're getting beat because you didn't get your groceries home, then it's really a confusing message. And right. that wasn't that wasn't your fault that you didn't know that you were loved. And we can go a long way not knowing that and trying to do other things to make ourselves feel more lovable, like to have there be no conflict around us. Or to exactly. make sure that we belong someplace. So go ahead, Alex. Yeah, and, you know, and that brings me to the other part that, you know, then because I go through life, I went through life for so many years wondering what's wrong with me. What's, what is wrong with me? You know, um, get, you know I, I'm making these bad choices. I, I'm, I'm very destructive. I'm doing things I don't want to do, and the things that I want to do, I don't do. And, and then I end up being incarcerated for years and years and years and being violent, and I had no respect for authority. What is wrong with me? And it wasn't so much, as I know today, is what was wrong with me, is what happened to me, you know. And accepting and learning about not being nurtured, not being um, built up, not being verbally told that, you know, uh, that I'm somebody and that I can accomplish anything and that I am loved, not, not really experiencing that throughout my life, throughout my childhood, 
and just going by my own self develop identity right. you know <laughs> so and i think you, so, you said yeah. um, when i know for me yes i i went in there because i cared and um and i have always found it in my life easier to care about other people and it has been to care about myself so it's way easier for you to teach a class and tell you why you're so lovable and see the light in you than to have that be true about myself i remember sitting in a texas prison watching these amazing men do a a film for me way back you know many years ago and um at the end and asking them about all the patterns of their personality and they're all they're sharing about how they um how the enneagram was so useful for them and then my client asked them, what was it like to work with Susan? And then one by one, each of those men started to cry. And I thought, oh, no. Like, <laughs> if, they are, if they are getting yeah. something out of being a teacher, then that means that I have to be part of that equation. And what kind of teacher am I if I'm refusing to let that be true? And they change, but I don't have to. And I thought that really was a kind of a turning point for me. And so I love that you're talking about, you know, you're in that classroom feeling that I loved you guys, which I did and do, but something had to happen inside of you where you made that flip on the inside and recognized that it wasn't something that you needed uh, on the outside to find your lovability. It was an internal job. Right. It's, it was a matter of waking up, waking up to myself, realizing that I did not know me. I didn't know what I needed, um, and just knowing, and then the fact of knowing that the answers are inside of me, you know, uh, I, I think there's another phrase you use about the, the prison of our own making, and that spoke to me, you know, make it, uh, it woke me up to realize, to the realization that I'm creating all these, I didn't need the physical institution to be in prison. I was in prison even when I was in the community. And I was in prison in my own mind, in my own heart, in my own spirit. You no, know? so I was already just locked up. And um, so some of those that, obvious. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I don't want to interrupt you. Please finish your thought, Alex. Yeah, and and then just to wake up to that, and and that's when I I knew the answers were inside, and with the and that's why I embraced the enneagram so much. And then you modeled so great to, for me even today. It's ridiculous, but. The answers of the Enneagram was like a roadmap, and it helped discover all these things in which I was locked up and how I was locked up to my own personality and how I would just operate out of habit. And, and, and then to actually see the habits take place and unfold in my life, but not giving it the power to let it dictate the final outcome. Was uh, that was just so huge for me? I, I um, if I could, I would have turned a backflip the first time I realized it. <laughs> yeah. well, I was going to say that you started to take some um, immediate and obvious first steps towards yourself, and I would and say first of all by showing up to that class because when we teach <laughs> in prison and jail, it's not legal to make people do a program. They, they have to want to be in there, and that's actually the only way the enneagram works because it's. It's too revealing for people that don't want to see it to be willing to keep coming to the class and having all these things be put in front of them. So you came and you came again and you took the class, I think, two and a half times. And then we right. had to we had to say goodbye to Alex because he had to go serve the rest of his, his term in prison. But I, I mean, I am not the first person to see the light in Alex because if you ever get the the opportunity to meet him in person, you'll feel it yourself and you can hear it through the radio waves. He's, he's got a... <laughs> so much presence about him 
And, um, and then Alex, from there, can you talk about how you continue the journey in terms of taking a step towards yourself and, rem- and remembering your own lovability? What does that look like when you're just coming out, out of prison and into the rest of the world? Wow. Well, you know, um, I, I, the one thing I did, I, I came to the agreement with myself. I came to the agreement that I was not going to go back to prison. And I am, then I said, so therefore, I need to put some practice. I need to practice the knowledge that I had gained during that period of time that I was incarcerated. And I had, to, I had a great arena to put it to work um, because I seen right away when I got released, every thought pattern came flooding in on me of times before the way that I thought before when I got released. Well, I need to go do that, and I can go do this, and I can do that. And then I caught myself right in the middle. I said, why are you thinking like that? That's not the – if you think like that, you're going to do that, and you're going to get the results that you don't want. And I seen it. I seen the habit just unfold. And I said, no, no, I don't have to do that. I don't have to do that. I have to give myself a chance. I have to give these, this new way of thinking an opportunity to, to show that it, it works. And so I started putting in the practice. I started just um, using the knowledge of the Enneagram, catching, paying attention to my thoughts, paying attention to my actions, and, and also having an identity, knowing that I wasn't, I wasn't a convict. I wasn't an inmate. I wasn't a drug dealer. I wasn't all these other labels that I held on to so many times. Right. And well, and I think, that, and the lack of an identity as somebody who just has to go along, get along, but rather a sense of self, actually. Right. And um, I, I had to learn to trust me. <laughs> and and then with uh, my my spiritual foundation, also um, it was incorporated and. In, with the Enneagram and, and my my faith walk, it was just, it was amazing. It was just amazing at the progress that took place. Um, and I think just just to see, the, to really see how, I mean, I'm riding on a bus. I'm riding on a bus, and, and I'm looking, and as I'm looking at the world, looking at the community, and I'm looking, and I'm, I'm seeing my thoughts. I'm hearing my thoughts. Uh, and I, I can honestly say, no, this is not what you want to think about. No, this is not what you want to do. And then to be able to take the power and choice to change them and, to, and make it come in line and bring the behavior in line and who I am and what I wanted to accomplish. It was just Alex, huge. Can I, just can I ask you to tell the, the rest of the bus story? I don't know if this is the one, the thought you're having about on the bus. It's, it's the one that you've told before. When you get off the bus and someone um, someone was there and said something to you, is that what you're thinking of? Oh, yeah, that that was a great one, too. <laughs> because because I, I did not accept compliments. I just did not accept compliments because I'm just like, I was just riddled and drenched and held in chains and about unworthy, being so unworthy. And so anytime somebody would give me a compliment, I'd just drop it. I wouldn't accept it. And I would escape. I'd just get away from you. So I had been talking about this, and then we come to realize when somebody give you a compliment, you know, a simple thank you would do. And so I got off the bus one day, and there's this lady sitting on the bus stop, and she was she was pretty herself. And she says, oh, she gave me a compliment saying how handsome I was. And I, my first reaction to it was to get all nervous and to, to get away from her, not even respond. And so I looked at her. <laughs> I looked at her, and I just said, thank you. And 
that was just so amazing to me. Then the biggest smile came on her face, and I can't even express what it made me feel like inside. And you guys are starting to make me cry. (laughs) Susan and Alex, Alex, that's such a beautiful story. Oh, my gosh. There's several things you've said that's brought me to tears. I I do need to take (laughs) us to a short break. And um, just, yeah, <laughs> I think we'll just need to take a, um, take a break right now. Sure. We'll be right back after these messages. Steps to a healthier you. Voice America Health and Wellness. Do you know that you were born to experience revolutionary wellness? Have you wondered why extraordinary physical, mental, and emotional health has eluded you? Do you know that your infinite personal power resides right here in the present moment? People all over the world are awakening to their birthright. Revolutionary Wellness. Subscribe today at revolutionarywellnessmagazine.com and begin your journey into the mystery. Engage with experts in topics of nourishment, wisdom, and empowerment. Develop mental clarity. Live wholeheartedly and be empowered to live an authentic life of passion and purpose. The world, now more than ever, needs you to feel revolutionarily well. Explore and integrate new ways of being. Learn to access your own unique treasure, the wisdom that is right there inside you, waiting to be revealed. Experience a renewed, vivid, and nourishing relationship with yourself and the world around you. Log on and subscribe to Revolutionary Wellness Magazine today and experience the publication devoted to your journey toward extraordinary health and well-being. RevolutionaryWellnessMagazine.com These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. A healthy dialogue for your lifestyle. Voice America Health & Wellness. You are listening to Revolutionary Wellness Talk Radio. Rochelle is a clinician of mind-body medicine, lifestyle change, and self-healing. She is a life mentor, author, and publisher of Revolutionary Wellness Magazine. You can reach Rochelle at experiencerevolutionarywellness.com. Now back to Revolutionary Wellness Talk Radio. Alex, I just love the presence with which you hold yourself, and thank you for allowing those emotions to come up because that is the um that's the whole point and can you say something about what your tears are telling you what they're bringing up in you yeah no you know it's just they're just they're just tears of joy the tears of joy of the progress the tears of joys of the change that has taken place inside of me you know there's tears of joy of, of just who i am just who I am today, you know, where, uh, you know, a compliment, uh, I don't run from them today, but a simple thank you will do, <laughs> you know, it, it acknowledges, you know, and I, 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 you know, I, I have no problem today acknowledging someone who gives me a compliment and it's, and then, which is so huge. It's just huge. Um, uh, because that means I'm embracing 
what it is they're saying, and which I would never do before because I didn't see myself worthy of all that. It's just, man, the tears is just, you know, there's just so much joy going on inside of me. And where it used to be what I know today, so much anger. (laughs) Right. Yeah, so much hurt and so much pain. You know. Well, it makes sense that if you um, that if you can't, if you don't receive a compliment, then and you can't receive one actually because there's no receptivity to it. There's no truth. It doesn't feel true inside of us. Then we just reject it and we push it right back out. And then, of course, then we are in this constant cycle of feeling unworthy. And because what we want is not as valuable as what everybody else wants. I mean, it's this closed feedback loop. So, really, and people people. I think throw around these terms like the work a lot and we, and really what the work is, is sitting with whatever comes up in us and allowing ourselves to be very present to that and, and inquiring, is that even true? So somebody, you come off the bus and somebody calls you a good looking man. There are certain types that would need to have that told to them over and over again. Right. But for you just receiving it once is what, um, is like a, a real turning point and it's a self-acceptance to know that, that you're worthy in there to receive it. And for nines, it's not about, um, you know, being the best. It's, it's just holding myself as not inherently any more or less important than anybody else. And that yeah. kind of is, is the thing that allows nines to see their own value and their own um, ability to engage with the world. After that, it just start, it just builds, huh, Alex? Yeah, it's it's just um, you know today I just come to learn that it is it's important to be who you are. It's just so important to be who you are because I realize that we have gifts inside, and each person that exists on this earth has a gift that they can offer this world to make a difference. And the realization of that came to me to where. Um, you said that you have to uphold your end. And so I have to uphold my end because the day I get to counsel with people in drug addictions and, and home being free, just released from incarceration. And so I, uh, I have to uphold my end and, and, and modeling to them that we, each one of us have gifts that we can share. And if we don't share these gifts, that we're robbing the next person from the joy, from the peace, from the healing that can come from it. You know, had you ever, and I say this all the time, had you never came into the uh, institution when you did, I don't know if I'd have ever got healed the way that I got healed. I don't know that. All I know Mm -hmm. is you came and I got healed. (laughs) That's what I do know, because you share the gift. (laughs) And I think that's true. And, of course, now I'm willing to receive that. And I know that's true. And somebody gave that gift to me, too. So I, I also had to receive it at some other point. And there's also like it, it, I can I can be a good enough Enneagram teacher and the Enneagram rocks. We know that. But if you're not there to do something with it, then then there's nothing. There's no catalyst. Right. So the, the defense mechanism for type nine is called narcotization. There's like a, a numbing out of things to make things feel better so that I can just go along and, with it and not not register to anything else. So Alex, can you tell us what? what the narking out um, would look like for you maybe during your your darker days and how you catch yourself in the act of numbing yourself out now. Is there anything you can share to help us understand how we wake up for a type nine? Oh, yeah, well, you know, um, for me, when I would nark out, it would come in many different ways, but mostly with uh, um, an addiction. 
it, it, it brought on addiction and with alcoholism and with drug addiction. Um, and I would just, just that, that was my way of escape, being so self-forgetting and just not paying attention to anything. Um, and that was, that, that was huge because that lasted for years. Um, right. And you shared yeah, recently, I mean, this week when we were speaking together over um, at San Jose State, we had an opportunity and you were sharing how you, you were an alcoholic when you were six years old. It started very early. Right. Um, yeah. From, well, I, I know for a fact I was five, but I was five years old when I started drinking alcohol. And, and, but it could have, I'm led to believe, and I was told it started way before then because, you know, beer was put in my bottle instead of milk and whatever. <laughs> that was my, my apple juice was a beer. And so, so my, you know, it was, and that carried on. Uh, the alcoholism carried on through all my childhood and, you know, my teens and early 20s. And it was in my late 20s when I started in those. Right. You know, we all have, I think, inside of ourselves, We are, it's like we know instinctively that it is our right to feel good inside of ourselves. We, we know that that's so deserved. And when we don't feel good, our first addiction is to our personality. And when we can't narc out the world, then, then we're going to reach for something different. And that's a lot of why many people in, who are incarcerated are suffering from addiction. It's about the pain that they're trying to avoid from their childhood. I'll call an alcohol dependency counselor and works to in a sober living environment to support other people. And um, what are some of the more subtle ways that you can see that you might narc out now, Alex? And how are you catching yourself in the act of that? Um, well, you know, football season coming, I can watch football all day long. <laughs> I can get in front of the TV and just, you know, ignore the whole world. But the difference today is I know that that's what I would be doing. I'm like so aware that, you know, I, that I'm just escaping and not facing something I want to do. And, and I can stop it. I, I I just literally know that it's not right and know that I just the only way I'm gonna get through I have whatever it is I'm trying to escape from is I need to just go do it and face it. And a lot of times it comes in the form of uh, homework, you know, with the different areas that I have homework in <laughs> and um I just let it you know, I get in, I can get into a space where I'm, you know, not good enough, not smart enough, because these thought patterns, they don't never leave because they're inside of me. They just don't have the power that they used to have. So they can stir up, and they do stir up, and I have to, I have to combat it. I have to. Oh, sorry. I think, Alex, are you there? I think we've lost Alex temporarily. Hopefully we can get him back. I'm just... Um... There's so many things that he's saying that are so true about all of us and how we, we can numb out, we can just lose total contact with ourselves. And these habits don't totally just go away. Probably not for you either, Rochelle, huh? It's really true. I, I Just as he's speaking, I you know, I go through the list of things that I personally use to, um, I know, it's a new term for me, using narc out, but that's it certainly speaks to what's hap- what happens, you know, and this is certainly a practice. I really appreciate how Alex was talking about just how, you know, holding it all in awareness gives him a sense of, um, it's very empowering, you know, it's like there's this, 
um, because then we can we can have a choice, even though we know we are numbing out or narking out or escaping. Um, I wonder if you could say something to that in regards to the Enneagram and, and this whole process. It's just so amazing. Yeah, it's a defense. I mean, the numbing out is not a choice we make. It's an unconscious strategy we have to feel okay about ourselves. And for nine, we all use all the defense mechanisms. I am not a nine. I've got a wing there, but I can knock out myself and I can be lost on Facebook. Everybody has a sense of that. But for nine, it is the unconscious way that we can imitate, almost mimic that harmony that we're really wanting. It, it never quite does it or takes the, it just takes the edge off for a little while. And then we're left with ourselves so it, it's good for a little bit, um, but really the, the work is to be with the discomfort of whatever is happening. Somebody saying, you look good when you get off the bus or um, all the screaming and, and stuff that was going on for a young child, right? There's just so many um, ways that we want to avoid reality the way it is. And 8, 9, and 1 want to rearrange, our, uh, rearrange our, our reality so that we can have a... Um, a better version of it or what's comfortable inside of ourselves. Alex, are you back? Yeah. <laughs> um, Alex, you as a, as a type nine can speak to all of us about what action, what right action looks like the high side of your type. That's really the emotional freedom. And the last minute that we have here, can you say something about the right action, the next steps you're taking in your life and um, <laughs> leave us on that note? Yeah. Well, the right action for me, it's just doing the right thing. Um, you know, there's this thing inside of me in the instinctual area. Uh, some people call it the instinct. Some people call it something. And um, it, it just leads me to do what is right. And then my thing today is I believe it. I trust in it. I react to it. I cultivate it to the point where I'm sensitive to what we call something. But it's the instinctual part of me. It's the belly center that I, I am. And it leads me to do the right thing. Um, I don't have to lean on my brain so much because I'm convinced that I don't think right no way. So, <laughs> but, it's, <laughs> but it's so most comforting. Of us, to know that's true that for most I, of us, right? Can't trust our own thoughts. Yeah, so it's comforting to knowing that I have another center of intelligence that will lead me to do what is right will lead right. me to say what is right and into right action. Um, and I just have gotten to the point where I'm cultivating it. I'm trusting it more each and every day. And, of course, the results that I'm getting from it is just, oh, wow, incredible. Uh, it's like falling in love for the first time. <laughs> oh, Alex, thank you so much just <laughs> put, for putting those words around it, not just for yourself, but for all of us. And for um, for your time today, even with the drop call, you just pick right up, and so so <laughs> beautiful. Thank you. I just um, it's an honor. It's an honor to be here, and I just thank each one of you so much for having me. Yeah, you're welcome. Go ahead, Rochelle. I think maybe we're we're winding down at our time here too. Yes, thank you so much. Our host today and the producer of the Nine Prisons One Key series on Revolutionary Wellness Talk Radio has been human potentialist Susan Olesek. To learn more about Susan's incredible work and our ongoing series, please visit EnneagramPrisonProject.org and SusanOlesek.com. Our next episode together in April will feature the Enneagram Type 2, the Giver Helper. So definitely mark your calendars for that. Thank you, Susan, so much for producing another fantastic 
fantastic episode and to our guest Alex for just for sharing yourself and opening your heart and I was just brought to tears but thank you for being with us today and for sharing your extraordinary experiences so that we all may learn from them and you it is really such a gift that you're giving to us and the world for sharing um, you and this series so thank you so much for both of you Susan and Alex thank you everyone. you're welcome and thank you And to our dear listeners, mark your calendars for our conversation next week with Dr. Catherine Reed, where we will be exploring the age-old premise that we are what we eat, but the question takes on new meaning in light of our industrialized, mechanized, petroleum, and chemically saturated food system. So what are we eating? Catherine Reed, biochemist, takes us on an intriguing journey of diet changes that diminished her daughter's autistic behaviors. She reveals an association between a common ingredient in Western diet and many chronic illnesses that plague developed countries. Catherine tells the story that led to her founding Unblind My Mind, which is a nonprofit organization dedicated to helping people improve their health through improved diet. We will learn what you can do to avoid this common ingredient and restore balance to your body. So definitely tune in for that. In the meantime, be sure to check out our magazine that is now online at revolutionarywellnessmagazine.com. It's our premier issue. We're very excited about it. And you can join us on Revolutionary Wellness Talk Radio's Facebook page, follow our Twitter feed at Revolution Well, and connect with us on our website at experiencerevolutionarywellness.com. It's such a pleasure to be here with you all on Revolutionary Wellness Talk Radio. Thank you so much for joining us on this journey. Until next time, may you be well and may we all be well thank you for opening your heart and mind to a new way of being to greater degrees of self-compassion and wellness and your experience of your own infinite potential with revolutionary wellness talk radio join host rochelle next thursday at 2 p.m pacific 5 p.m eastern time to turn courageously towards your own unique experience of health and wellness here on the voice america health and wellness channel remember you too can experience revolutionary wellness Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.